0: Buzzer Podcast, all music. Worldwide music started in local music scenes. Underground, independent, unsigned talent. Music you choose to hear, not the music mainstream tells you to hear. Hosted by Shay, the Buzzer Podcast is a Canadian broadcast connected to artists around the globe.
1: Hey, y'all. Shay here. This is the Buzzer Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Singer, songwriter, poet, painter, rule breaker, game changer. He pushed the boundaries, blurred the lines, held up a mirror, and reflected to us the state of our culture, our world, and ourselves. The irreplaceable trailblazer, David Bowie, helped define our universe through his music. Welcome to the Sound and Vision of David Bowie. Well, today's show, at uh, the start of a show, we continue our chat with Kevin, Sasha and Jack. We talk about experiences working with artists who have worked with Bowie, the remarkable ability Bowie had to evoke people to act, a continuation of his personas and the border issues Canadian artists face at the U.S.-Canada border. Enjoy the show. Following the Ziggy Stardust album, Aladdin Sane finds Bowie stuck between the persona of the androgynous alien collab rocker Ziggy and the loose vibe of Halloween Jack character that he would embody on Diamond Dogs and Young Americans. There's a split here between the very Ziggy-style material like Watch That Man and "Jean Genie and increasingly experimental genre-shifting songs like Aladdin Sane and Time, which add jazz, Latin, and cabaret sounds to the mix. Aladdin Sane, rather than continue the Ziggy Stardust character directly, Bowie decided he would create a new persona, Aladdin Sane, the character reflected the theme of Ziggy Goes to America, and according to Bowie, was less defined and clear cut than Ziggy Stardust. So now we're going to take Aladdin Sane, the single from the Aladdin Sane album released April 1973, for a spin before the show. Enjoy. Well, the next track in the queue is Golden Years. But before we spin that track, I'd like to talk to Sasha and Kevin about their time with Lenny Pickett, Tony Thompson, and uh, Fonzie Thornton and the Sirius Moonlight Tour and their time with them and their thoughts on that.
2: Yeah. It was a strange time for me. I had uh, uh, come from uh, working as a uh, support member uh, in the tech world as a programmer, Uh, and then the third album, which uh, CBS funded, and it was supposed to get the big American push. uh, So they had uh, Bernard Edwards and Tony Thompson and. A bunch of american cats come up and uh play on the sessions and i was hired to uh supply and tune uh and be tony thompson's uh drum guy in the studio because i had the only drum set in canada available uh that he required which happened to be a yamaha custom recording Uh, drum set in the sizes uh, that he wanted. Uh, And so I was, uh, you know, uh, I'll say a fly on the wall uh, during those sessions. And uh, I got to learn again, uh, you know, how records were made at that time and and, uh, the history of uh, those cuts. Uh, and their experiences that they brought uh, to those sessions. And it's because of moments like that that I always say to my musician friends and and, and to uh, students uh, of music that it is so important, I think, to try and get those experiences where you're subservient uh, to the creative uh, geniuses in studio and on the road uh, to learn uh, not only what it takes to capture a recording and uh, to put on the show, but how once you actually get on, onto the bandstand or uh, in, you know, behind the drummer's seat or onto the conductor's podium, uh, how to comport yourself so that you're not a
1: complete a hole. Yeah, 100%. And Kevin?
3: We'll go back to uh, the period where I spoke about working with Mick Ronson at Phase One Studios when uh, New Regime was putting out their second album, uh, The Race. Uh, we, had, we had quite a few uh, guest background singers on that, on that album. Uh, Lisa Del Bello sang on ours as I sang on hers, uh, but there were actually quite a few more. Uh, and wonderful, brilliant uh, singers who I found very inspirational. Um, And one of them happened to be Fonzie Thornton. To be honest with you, I didn't know much about it at the time. I knew he was in the band Chic, uh, but didn't really know much more about it at the time. So he sang on uh, a B-side called Let It Loose uh, off the, the album by the same name, The Race, and he also sang on the first single, a song called Love and Satisfaction, which is a very groove, combination of groove and fairly hard rock with high-tech synths. At any rate, he did layer after layer, uh, killed it, killed it, killed it, needed very little direction, and uh, Steve Webster, the producer of the album, when he came into... uh, when he came into the uh, the room, out of out of uh, out of the booth, uh, he said, "So, Fonzie, what do you think of this song?" And Fonzie, slow, gets this big smile on his face, and he goes, "Sounds like money, man." <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome.
3: It's like, okay, cool. You must have known what he was talking about because it was for, it was the leadoff single from the album,
2: so. You know, there you go. It's great to watch the the masters do their thing. Uh, I always find yeah, it inspirational. Sure. Yeah, I, mean, I remember. Every time I, I get to see uh, sit behind and watch your ass move on stage. Uh, or you know, it, I, I get goosebumps, and I'm not just saying this because I love you, but mm. I'm it because it's in an age where uh, you. Everything gets fixed, you know uh, and and uh, a chorus is sung, and then it's just uh, duplicated and uh, tuned and tweaked and everything it's when, when you get to sit behind as a drummer, the real deal or you know if you're uh, playing with a a, a pianist, uh, not just a keyboard player, and I'm not taking anything away from keyboard players, so that excuse me if I phrase that incorrectly but people that are truly great at their craft that is such an inspiration and it gives me goosebumps. It?
3: And I thought the pleasure was all mine working, working with you, Sash. Gee. Well,
1: yeah. you two are great working together. Awesome.
0: So I'd like to ask a question of Kevin or Foster. Are you guys going to play in New York anytime soon? Sure as hell hope so. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, first we have to open up the borders, right? Yeah. Right, <laughs> and then we need an invitation. I'd,
0: I'd like to apologize for all, for <laughs> I'd like to apologize for all Americans right now. <laughs> That's so a pretty big apology, Jack. <laughs> That's a big <laughs> ass apology.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm really sorry.
2: Well, you guys are doing your thing, right? You're doing as as good as you can, given the circumstances. The problem is getting across the border. You know, it it, it seems so odd that uh, when American talent comes across the border, it's okay. Uh, who are you? What are you doing? Welcome to Canada. And when we come to the border, it's who the fuck are you? Uh, what there aren't, uh, uh American versions of you, uh, that why are you trying to take gigs away from us? It's just, it's very stressful coming, uh, to the States.
1: What do you think has to change in order for it to be easier for Canadian artists to cross the U.S. border? Are
0: you asking me, Jack?
1: I'm asking all of you.
3: Oh. Um, I, yeah, you yeah. guys take it. Yeah.
2: In free in fact, trade think, agreement?
3: <laughs> yeah, something like that. I remember we, crossed, we were crossing the border. This is probably 15 years ago to play. Uh, In upstate New York, uh, life on Mars. Although I think we were heroes at the time. And uh, there was, I don't know, there was this kind of creepy feeling of maybe we will, maybe we won't let you in to play your shows, which of course puts right, right right to hell on edge. And so John uh, got chatty with, uh, um, I guess, the big cheese at the border. Uh, and you know, he explained to them and said, you know, this is this, this is a, a wonderful show. It's it's a David Bowie show. And he's, oh, okay. Yeah. Which one's Major Tom?
1: <laughs> oh my
3: god. Everybody wow. points at me. <laughs> like Hi. Hi. Yeah, that's me, Major Tom. But yeah, I you just that was just a kind of a, a sidebar story. I, I do not honestly know, other than, you know, uh, some kind of free trade. Some kind of, we're just musicians, folks. Can we just can we just make it easy on us? <laughs> Couldn't tell you the the technical. Yeah, I, I don't want to
0: go into a huge side tangent on this issue, but is, is it a problem, like crossing the border to the side?
3: Like it is. It's, it is, and it's very expensive, too. You know, we, we have to, in our budgets, we have to build in for uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, legal stuff. You have to go through forms. You have to fill in forms that need to be reviewed by lawyers, submitted six months in advance. Yada, yada, there's, there's so much. Yeah, there's so much to...
0: Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Yeah. You, you've got a, a you know uh it's a one show deal or it's uh, a series of shows so it you now uh, have to uh, book you know, or or plan uh, a, a book ended tour so you have to have a, a beginning date and the end date can't be more than six months later in order to get your visa so you know uh, uh July 1st we're gonna play New York and uh by September, we'll be in Atlanta, and we're going to try and fill in dates in between that. That's the way it right. used to be. Now it doesn't work that way. Now you've got to actually give them the whole itinerary, and yeah. you can only add, I think, like three dates or something for that effect. Oh my God! Uh, you know, it's it's uh, so you have to become a member of the Musicians Association because they do the processing. Two hundred and fifty. $300 per person, right? Uh, so and now I see
0: why you asked me about the musicians' union right. thing um, pertaining to Bowie. Uh, and it's
2: not really a union. It's an association. They never claimed to be a union. But it's something that we always gravitate towards It's calling it a union. And maybe it would be good that there would be a union. And, you know, it used to be uh, if it was a uh, studio session or recognized uh, union session, Again, they would call it a union session, but it wasn't. Then you would get a minimum stipend uh, or stipend. Uh, right. and But you would have to pay X amount uh, back for, uh, in wages in order uh, to have your retirement fund and insurances and all of that stuff. So now you still have to uh, show uh, your insurance on the equipment. You have to... Uh, have a manifest which costs money uh, to prepare. It all has to be checked. Uh, serial numbers, you know, they can tear you apart. And oh, why, why is uh, this guitar here as opposed to the one listed? Well, you know what? It got stolen, or it burnt down, or it's being fixed. You know, it's it's any number of uh, issues that uh, they can take you to task uh, that may preclude you from entering into the country. It's more, they are, and it, but it, it was originally uh, intended more for the orchestras and for the recording sessions. Oh. Uh. Yeah. And that's why I made that reference to mismatched socks, you know, when you're playing in the pit and blah, blah, blah. And did you make it? Uh,
1: yeah, it's good to bring things like this up, you know, regardless of the topic at hand. I have had artists that have had trouble crossing the border. Oh, uh, okay. covid though, <laughs> uh, but it's good to talk. And, about and, it. and it sounds
0: like this has been an ongoing issue. This, this is like pre COVID, right? This is not something. Okay.
3: Uh, I, I can tell you that new regime was uh, scheduled to play a 4,000 soft seater in Buffalo. Uh, and we returned back. Wow. We returned. We returned back. And uh, we were opening for Platinum Blonde. So, you know, uh, but I I don't know what they did. Did they have, you know, locals fill in the first uh, third of the show? I do not know. Uh, But we returned back for what just seemed to be. uh, What? uh, petty, Petty and ridiculous reasons. Petty and
2: ridiculous reasons.
3: You know, he didn't like my hair. He made me call him wow. sir. I, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. It was like, it was like, you was like, know, I, I, t- I, I, I took up my passport and he goes, ask me a question. He asked me a question. I go, I answer the question. He goes, he starts tapping his pencil on, you know, my passport and he goes, shakes his head. And he goes, try that again. And we went through this about three times. And then on the fourth time I locked in and I went, answer the question. Oh, sir. Wow. Sir. Right. Yeah. Sir. That that was what he was holding me up for, which, you know, I didn't call him Sir. Oh my and God. I was like, wow, wow. This is just wow. shitty. Wow. Yeah. I, I
0: mean, I was going to ask the question, because I I don't I don't know what year it was. I'm assuming like there was like this weird, really weird, like scare in the post nine eleven years in the U.S., um, but that that sounds like has nothing to do with any kind of security or any kind of anything other
3: than like definitely that was definitely pre nine eleven. Oh, was, I mean, sure. even if it was post nine eleven. That that was just a power
0: trip. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. But but you must have them. You must have them in Canada too, right? Like it's not just us. Like, there must be, like, bully law enforcement people.
2: So you, 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 you've got to come to, to, to Canada just to experience how easy it is to come into the country to play a show. I, we used to have a, it was like a 50-mile clause, 50 miles within uh, the border. Uh, you could play a show if it was for free or if it was a one-off. Uh, even doing showcases. I mean, this whole South by Southwest, to get to play a show at South by Southwest now, unless you have a label lobbying for you, it's an expensive uh, proposition to, to get down to, to play for free, most likely, right? Yes, yeah,
1: definitely something that needs to be addressed.
2: <laughs> there was a time when I brought, bought a drum kit and kept it in New York just so that I could get across the border uh, without uh, with less stress so that I could play shows in the States.
1: What I don't get about the music industry uh, is that we leave it up to the uh, music association to handle this. And the music association has not done anything to get it included in the free trade agreements from what I've seen.
3: Yeah, I mean, the level one is the average amount of belligerence that you may or may not get, depending on the personality that you meet. Who is at a border level two is, is, you know, show us your papers, please. And I don't right. like the look on you. you. Remind me of somebody who I knew in high school. So not sorry. Yeah, it is exactly that.
1: Well that was a great discussion and even a better discussion in light of our discussions with about David Bowie and his music, because his music evoked people to act. And perhaps mm-hmm. our discussion on the US Canada border situation for artists may evoke listeners, especially artists and creators, to put an increased pressure to the government and those at hand that can change things.
2: Certainly challenge people, right? Uh, Both musically, uh, emotionally, lyrically, mentally, uh, stylistically, uh, Mm -hmm. to look at the world and and to look at yourself uh, perhaps in a different way and question.
1: Yes, you did invoke people to question. And uh, that was actually a a beautiful trait about Bowie <clears> and his music. Uh, the personas are one way in which he did that. Uh, the next track that we're going to be listening to is Golden Years, where he manifested the persona of the thin white Duke. Golden Years was released in November of 1975 and was the lead single of his studio album, Station to Station, released the following year. Station to Station is actually one of my favorite albums. It's a masterpiece. Uh, Bowie had no recollection of creating it because of his cocaine habit. Station to Station was not an easy album to warm up to, but it had an epic structure and a clinical sound that were so impressive. It was an individualistic achievement, as well as a style that would prove enormously influential. On post punk music. So, listeners, we're going to hear Golden Years, the lead single from that album. Enjoy.
3: Life's taking you now man. Day, Come back, baby Look at the stars. It's begun Night so warm In the night Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah some yeah, yeah. Come on, go on, go on, go and walk, look, you look, time never look back watch your Back down where you once along in the back of the dream car. Don't along don't cry, don't right, so don't break my heart. you got to get smart. Wish upon, wish do a I believe all the way. of the shadows. Run for the shadows. Run for the shadows. You say that's taking you nowhere. Run for shadows, run for shadows, run for shadows in
1: Wow, Kevin! Yeah, the likeness of your voice to David Bowie—incredible! Well, you did an you. amazing uh, work. Thank you so much on yeah. this track. Amazing! Yeah,
3: um, I'd love to tell you that I—I I did put in a lot of work because I trained a lot and I put in a lot of work uh, uh, because you know I take my job very seriously. Uh, but the theatrical nature of the show the uh inhabiting the character of david bowie's characters uh for the show uh, was never was never really much of an issue it was a uh, it was a fish in water basically wow um, so that part came actually pretty really quite easily but anyway
2: thank you very much for saying that oh
1: you're welcome you're welcome. But taking on the alter egos when you were on stage, does that affect you personally? Uh, No, no,
3: because I I mentioned it earlier in this interview, Shay, is that um, when I am done a show and I have fired pretty much all my bullets. Yeah, uh, I am both wired and tired. But uh, the great kind of tired, so I will usually stay up three or four hours, uh-huh, even yeah, just by myself, yeah. you know, at home if it's a local show or somewhere else if it's not. Uh, uh, just inhabiting, but the, the, the feeling, of, uh, inhabiting that exhaustion, but that satisfaction that you get when you know. Uh, or you have a very strong feeling, at least that that you gave it all you you gave, and uh, and, and and it's a wonderful feeling. There's really nothing like it. Um, but you know, to address your point directly, uh, you leave the character on the stage. You know, it's that. You know, that sacred space concept that I talked yeah, about, you yeah. know, is, you know, and you don't even need to be playing a character, for instance. I mean, you know, you talk to any musician, any seasoned musician, and they know those times and they know those shows with like, there's really no difference between themselves and their instrument. And it's just coming through them as something larger than themselves. Right. And uh, it's, it's magical, it's mystical. Uh, it's, to me, it's very spiritual. Uh, and then once you walk off that stage, you know, curtain drops and you're just you again. You're you again. Uh, so, no, I, I did, there was no... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't take my characters with me to the, uh, to the local coffee shop, you know? So...
1: Yeah, I know that, uh, Kevin. But as you know, I'm a, a fellow actor. Mm, I do, and that was always a challenge for me. That was always a challenge mm. for me.
3: And and I, I assume that your practice was probably method. Yes.
1: Uh huh. Yes, um, it was. Yeah,
3: of course. Yeah. Well, we. Uh, that that can be challenging. I agree. Is this that when you become immersed in a character and you play it out to the maximum of your abilities, uh, there are connection points that can, um, you, it's like neural circuitry where you want to, you, you want to shut it down, but it wants to keep going. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I understand the difficulty. I do, I do. It's just, you know, uh, I guess I've had a lot of practice.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the reason I asked. But to be honest with you, acting does allow you uh, to act out and experience things and go through things that necessarily aren't safe in the real world. It has a healing element to it.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. We're coming up to talk about Black Star. And Jack, please uh, Jump in if you have anything else to add. We talked about Black Star. You talk about uh, your time with Bowie, working uh, in the studio with him on the Black Star album for those four days in New York. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, that Black Star was his 25th and last studio album. Black Star was released on his 69th birthday, just two days prior to his death. You know, one thing that always uh, puzzled me, the song Girl Loves Me from Black Star contains the lyrics. Where the fuck did Monday go? Just throwing out there. Could he have known? How could he have known? Very odd.
0: I, I would actually like to hear Kevin comment on this.
3: Honestly, Shay, I, uh, uh, other than being, uh, you know, uh, uh Uh, uh, extremely psychic and, well, perhaps all the way through, David did speak quite a bit about uh, the mystical arts on and off throughout the years. But other than being psychic, I don't know how he knew. You know, that would, that's you'd have to get inside of the mind of the man for that, to answer that one.
1: It's something that's always, you know, uh, give me the back chills, you know?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Could it be that it was mandated? That he had the foresight, he knew that whether it was this Monday or two Mondays from now, but that it was like okay.
1: Wow, wow, yeah! I never thought of that. That uh, almost uh, the most dramatic way Bowie could go. Well, my
2: brother always says uh, we are each the drivers of our own bus in the experience of life, and that he really took control up to the very end. Absolutely, I doubled down on that one.
1: Wow, you know, that blows me away. Uh, You could be right. It could be right. I never thought of that. Does any of you have any thoughts on the Black Star album?
2: What a great record. Moments uh, in in, in my life there have been, uh, as Jack mentioned before, uh, we're experiencing, the older you get, of course, it's uh, uh, common. That we will experience loss, but uh, the profound loss of uh, people such as uh, influential people such as David Bowie, and for me, uh, Neil Pierce, and uh, I could go on and on, but uh, it's just, and, and to have uh, that body of work uh, culminate in something like Black Star, which for me is a bit of a challenging list. Uh, metronomically, uh, harmonically. Uh, it's, uh, and I, I embrace that. I welcome that. I don't want something that's easy. Easy is mm-hmm. nice, but yeah. uh, something that is challenging for me is so much more rewarding and enjoyable in the end and demands from me uh, to be engaged fully and to work uh, the song as much as probably the artist worked it at the time of uh, creation. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm also right now, uh, I, I feel like I'm diving emotionally into back to that day when it was like, oh, oh this is it.
0: I, I, I actually, so my take on Blackstar is um, even though, you know, Bowie, like, was Bowie and mm-hmm. did everything he did one of his motivators one of the things that kept him going i think probably was having a hit song like you know <laughs> like a hit song on the radio everybody wants that the beatles wanted a hit song like John and all fought with each other like what's what's going to be the hit song um there aren't really like hit songs from black star there aren't you know like radio carries there's not I think it's his best work, but it was a work that he wasn't obligated to produce a hit
2: for. He made it for himself.
0: Yeah. And for his fans, like like all of us. I'm looking for the day when, you know, like someone does like Sue or whatever, like Pity She was a horror. And in like the language of like twenty years from now, because Bowie will be relevant even more now. I mean even more then than now yeah yeah black star could be the like the next great broadway musical right
1: like i agree with you
0: you heard it here first folks honestly like if you took every song on that album and like dramatized it yeah
1: yes i think black star was one of his best works as well do you think him knowing that he was dying impacted his album in any way
3: yes i i I think it had a real hand in the direction of uh, the of the writing, particularly the lyricisms um, and I had heard stories i i believe um, and it might have had to do with i don't know uh David's condition at the time but he was talking about making a second and a third follow-up to Black Star, and was of the pure belief uh, that uh, he was going to survive, uh, which, of course, uh, tragically did not happen. Um, it's sort of hard to uh, wow, right? You know, it's sort of hard to put
2: that nail on the head. It, w- it would be interesting to speak with uh, Antonella Sigismundi uh, because certainly she was probably the last step uh, in uh-huh. the mm-hmm. release of that record and the video, uh, the imagery.
3: Uh, one of the images in one of the videos, I've forgotten which one it is, forgive me, uh, was, I think, a bit of a. Tip of the hat to David Bowie's son, who directed the film, I think it's called Moon, uh, where there's uh, a skeleton in a spacesuit. You know, it's almost like uh, Space Oddity was uh, Major Tom, you know, 1.0, Ashes to Ashes reintroduced the character 2.0, and then subtle imagery within uh, some of the the video uh, for Black Star kind of made it 3.0, except for Extremely Final. Beautiful, beautiful. Kevin. Fascinating.
1: Well, thank you for bringing that up, Kevin. You know, uh, it shows Bowie didn't only influence a generation. He influenced his son. Duncan Jones, Bowie's son, was the director and writer of the 2000 film Moon. And notable is the influence of his father, Uh, shows clearly on the storyline's creation. It's an incredible piece of work. And as a nod to that, we're going to spin Space Oddity right now. Cool thing about Space Oddity is it helped him sign a record deal. In 1969, a few years into Bowie's career, he recorded a demo tape with plans to use it to land a deal with Mercury Records. The tape featured an early... Iteration of Space Oddity, and based on the demo, Mercury signed him for a one-album deal. But it failed to win over one producer, and that producer was Tony Visconti, who produced Bowie's self-entitled 1969 album. He thought the song was a cheap attempt to cash in on the Apollo 11 mission, and he tapped someone else to produce that particular single. So listeners, Space Oddity.
3: Ground control to Major tone. Ground control to Major tone. Take your protein pills and put your bones on Ground control to Major tone. Eight Seven Commencing cut-down engine floor To so mm. check ignition One. And make God's love be with you Right. And the papers want to know who sheds you where. Now it's time to leave the capsule if you dare. You see a to turn to ground control. I'm stepping through the door and I'm I must most peculiar why When well, the stars look very different There's something wrong, can you hear me my tongue? Can you hear me my jong? Can you hear me my jaton? i hey.
1: Thank you so much, Jack, Kevin, and Sasha, for coming on to the podcast and participating with me. Our homage to the incredible life, music, and vision of David Bowie. I really appreciate your involvement with this. I truly do.
3: It was completely my pleasure to be with the three of you today. Thank you so all so much. Love you guys. Great meeting you, Jack.
1: And with that, and in the spirit of Evoking Change, we're going to listen to the track released by Jack Span from the Beautiful Man from Mars album, released as a nod to David Bowie. The track is She Makes Phonography on the Weekends, released June of 2017. Enjoy. Cheers, y'all. Yay! Yay for Jack Span! Woo! <laughs> cheers <laughs> you sure thanks guys this has been great Hey y'all, be sure to tune in to the next episode where we have George Meyer on the show talking about his experiences time with Bowie and his life as a gatekeeper for the stars, and one of them was David Bowie from my pad to yours over the airways. Cheers y'all. <laughs>
0: Okay, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning into the Buzzer Network, sponsored by BuzzRoll Media. Thank you to the artists who share their music. Our shows wouldn't happen without their music. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter for showtimes and updates. Subscribe at thebuzzerpod.com. Fans and artists can submit their requests to Shay at thebuzzroll.com. Until next time, cheers.